Father in heaven, thank you so much for all the wonderful things that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for for the natural remedies that you've given to us and the new start and how these simple things in life to strengthen our bodies can help us to heal it ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for attending to all of our needs. And even as we come now to study your word, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us once again, to lead and guide us, to to touch our hearts and, and give us a message of hope and encouragement and guidance as we're about to open the word. So, Lord, bless us now, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. Well, we are continuing our series on the kings, and today we are going to be studying about King Amaziah. Not such a popular figure, not such a famous figure, I I should say. Uh, Not saying that he's unpopular, but he's not so famous as the kings that we've been looking at in this past few weeks. But King Amaziah, what do we know about him? Well, he is the son of King Joash, and Queen Jehoiadan. Now, King Joash was the one that came to to the the throne at a very young age, at the age of seven. Remember that? We studied that two weeks ago. And his father, King Joash, was assassinated by his own servants. And we read about that at the end of 2 Chronicles chapter 24. And so Amaziah came came to the throne at 25 years of age, and he would reign for 29 years. So with that, let's go to our first text found here in 2 Chronicles 25 verses 1 to 2. Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And look at what it says here in verse 2. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. So the Bible kind of gives him this glowing recommendation. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but yet his heart was not perfect. Now, what does it mean that his heart was not perfect? Well, in the NIV or the NASB translation, it says that he did not follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Or in the ESV, he did not follow the Lord with a whole heart. And you know, this would really define the rest of his tenure as a king. It would do... It really defines, or not defines as in he has to be like this, but this really gives us a little summary of the rulership of King Amaziah. He did not go all the way with the Lord. However, at the very beginning of his reign, or at least what we see and how the Bible writes out his life story, at the beginning there were some good things that we do see about King Amaziah. What was it? Well, let's continue reading in the Bible here in 2 Chronicles 25, verses 3 and 4. Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him, that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. But he slew not their children, but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. So King Amaziah, we find out very quickly that he was a just man and he was a forgiving man. So not that he, you know, he forgave the servants. He, he, they would, they're the ones that murdered his father and so he would kill them. But he did not allow the children or the family of those men that had killed his father to die for the father's sins. He did not punish the whole family for those who murdered 
his dad. And you know, it was written in the book of Moses, in the law of Moses, I should say. We even read it in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. And King Amaziah would follow that counsel, that law. He did not kill the children or the wives just because the husband or the father was the one that killed his father. So he did that which was right. He was just. He was forgiving. But what else do we see about King Amaziah? What else do we understand that was good about him that the Bible writes? Let's continue reading 2 Chronicles 25 verses 5 to 10. A rather long passage, but we're going to go through this, okay? Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And then he numbered them 25 or 20, pardon me, 20 years old and above, and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. He hired also what? A hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee. For the Lord is not with Israel to wit with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy for God hath power to help and to cast down. Verse 9, And Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And the man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Then Amaziah separated them to wit, the army that was come to him out of Ephraim, to go home again. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. So Amaziah, he had a great army of 300,000 men who could go to battle and fight against the surrounding nations that would come and attack them. But on top of this, he went and hired, what, 100,000 on top of that, soldiers from where? From Israel, the northern kingdom, which was their cousins, right? But they were not good men. The, 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 remember, the kings, as we're studying the kings, there were no good kings in the kingdom of Israel. The only good kings that we see is in the kingdom of Judah, which was where Amaziah is, right? And so the, the man of God, a prophet obviously would come out and counsel him, say, do not hire these men. Do not go and hire a hundred thousand of them, even though you've already given them, what? A hundred talents of silver. They were going to go out to battle and he thought 300,000 was not enough. So he wanted to add to that another 100,000 men. But God is saying, do not do this. They are wicked. Do not unite yourself with these wicked men. Even though they were cousins, even though, quote unquote, they were of the same faith. Friends, this is important for us to understand. Just because you're Adventist, it doesn't mean that you should get married to this person. You know, we should not be uh, marrying people unequally yoked. We should not be uniting with people um, that in, even in business that, that are of a different faith. Look, 
and I'm talking about those that are business owners. If you're an employee and you go work for a secular company, of course, there's nothing you can do. I used to work for IBM or PricewaterhouseCoopers, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you are the CEO, if you are the business owner, do not unite yourself with someone of a different faith. But even here, we're seeing what? Just because you are of the same faith, just because you are from the, the same lineage, just because you're related, it doesn't mean that you should still unite yourselves together. Whether in business, whether in marriage, no matter what, we have to be careful. And this prophet would come and say, do not do this. God is able to do with the 300,000 that you have without having to add these 100,000 with you, He is able to give you the victory. And I just want you to understand this because look, we got to be careful, not just about unequally yoked, but even though same faith, you got to make sure you're on the same level, same understanding, same faithfulness. And King Amaziah had already given a hundred talents of silver to this people, this, this, these armies there in the northern tribes. He'd already given them a hundred talents of silver to come out and help them. Now, one talent of silver is worth about 16,500 US dollars, okay? 16,500 US dollars. And that price, of course, fluctuates based upon how much silver is worth, but it's about that price. And so therefore, a hundred talents of silver is about $1.7 million, okay? That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. It's, it's not been, e it's not, it's not easy to be a leader and to do the right thing. Do you know that, friends? I mean, almost $2 million. I mean, in ringgit, that is almost, what, 7 million ringgit that has been given to these armies. You've gone to hire them. You want them to help you in fighting a battle, right? And now you turn around and say, no, we don't need your help anymore. You got to face your government. You got to face your leaders and say, why? We've already wasted all this money. Why not just get them anyways, right? But a man of God came out, a prophet, a messenger from God, came and told Amaziah, do not do this. Do not unite your interests with them. And friends, it is not easy to turn around and back away from a commitment that you've already made and say no. He made a mistake, but when the Lord showed him his error, Amaziah he repented, even if it meant offending others or losing a lot of money. And you know, friends, sometimes we feel like because we've already made the commitment, because we've already made a decision, we got to stick to it no matter what. We say things like, oh, I made the promise already, or I committed already, it's too late. Friends, even with an engagement, even if you are engaged, it's never too late to break off a commitment if you find out that it's the wrong sort of commitment that you've made to this man or to this woman. You find that they're really not the man or woman that you wanted to be them them to be, but you found out only after you said yes or or you've 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 asked the person to marry you. No, friends, it's not too late. It's not too late until you get to the point where you signed it in the government and you stood before God and said yes. Maybe you made a commitment for schooling and scholarship, but it makes you break the Sabbath or, or, or you know, it makes you to study the Sabbath or on the Sabbath or it has exams on the Sabbath. Break it off, friends. It's obvious that God does not want you studying 
there. Or if you can be faithful and God somehow makes a miracle for you to still pass and you just don't go to classes on the Sabbath, you don't take exam on the Sabbath, friends, God is guiding verily even in the trying times where it seems like people want you to break that Sabbath. Friends, no matter what promises that we make, we got to make sure that, that we are faithful to God 100% of the way. Even in the same way with work, maybe you've been out of a job for a long time and this is the only job that has come up that requires you now even then to work on the Sabbath. Stop it. Do not take the offer. Be faithful. Make sure that you put God first. No matter the promises, no matter the commitments that we think we have made, it is never unethical to break it off if we have gone against, clearly against a thus saith the Lord, against the will of God. For friends, it's better to disappoint man than to disappoint God. Amen? It's better to offend man than to offend God. It's better to break off a commitment to man than to break off our commitment to God. And so that is what Amaziah did. And it made the armies of Israel angry. But that did not change his decision, nor make him go against the counsel of the man of God, the prophet of God, who had been sent from God to guide King Amaziah in this time. And you know what happens? As a result, God blesses him because of his obedience, because of his faith and his trust in the counsel of God. God blesses him. Look at this. In 2 Chronicles 25, verse 11 to 12, And Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people and went to the valley of salt and smote of the children of Seir 10,000. And other 10,000 left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive and brought them up to the top of the rock and cast them down from the top of the rock that were all broken in pieces. So God he would help him win this battle. He would. He would fight for him. He would give him the victory. He is the one that because now Amaziah placed himself in the channel of blessing, he placed him where God could help him, where he needed the help of God, then God would work for him. However, all was not good. So even though he obtained the victory here, he would suffer the consequence of going against the counsel of God without, or not going against, rather, not seeking the counsel of God first. Whilst he was fighting this battle against the Edomites, what would happen in 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 13? Okay, 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 13, this is what the Bible says. But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back, that they should not go with him to battle, what happened? They fell upon the cities of Judah from Samaria, even unto Beth Horon, and smote 3,000 of them and took much spoil. So Israel was clearly unhappy. And look, I don't know why they would be so unhappy. They got the money and they didn't have to fight, right? But I guess they took their, their hire very seriously and maybe they were very sad that they didn't go out to battle. We don't know. But they were obviously very angry that he would cut off this promise that he made to them. 
And you know, friends, I think our expectation when it comes to our obedience to God is that He will just handle everything and everything will run smoothly, even when we repent and make mistakes and commit ourselves fully to Him. You know, sometimes we were in the midst of a a bad situation. We've gone down a wrong path and we, we, by the grace of God, find out that we've gone down this wrong path. But yet, what happens? We try to make it right and we suffer the consequences of our disobedience. We offend people in our obedience to God. You know, and sometimes we, we fully expect God to save us from trouble, from every trouble and from the consequences of our, our disobedience or our bad decisions from the very beginning. You know, we, we want God to make it right. Oh God, I committed to you now. Now you've got to make it up to me. I'm being faithful to you now. You've you, you, you got to help me. You've got to bless me. And, you know, we just want it all to be a smooth road when we follow God. But this is not always the case, friends. You know, Amaziah, he, he made a foolish decision in hiring these people. He backed out of that decision. He lost money. He lost some friendships. But when he did that, he was still following the will of God. But when he went out to fight the battle against the, these heathen men, the Israelites would come and attack him and kill 3,000 of his own men. Look, friends, God will forgive. He does give us the assurance of salvation of a future immortal life. When we repent and we ask God to forgive, He does. He heals our, our, our brokenness. He, he, he saves us from all the, 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 the death that sin will cause. But life on this earth, the consequences of our own sins and our bad decisions, we must leave that to God in His infinite wisdom. Look, sometimes He does remove it, but not always. Sometimes God saves a smoker from lung cancer, but this other smoker, he suffers the consequences of smoking all his life. Sometimes God does heal a person from a brain tumor or or diabetes, even though we had been the ones that had been abusing our bodies for so long. Sometimes God does do that, but sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes He will reverse whatever damage our foolish decisions has made, but it's not always the case, and we must not expect it to be so. And in the case of Amaziah, God did not remove the consequences of his foolish decision at the very beginning. Even though he repented and he followed the counsel of God from the man of God that came from God, even though he did what God asked him to do, there were still consequences. And you know, sometimes when that happens to us, we sit back and we ask, God, why? We get angry at God. We get upset upset at God. You know, God, I lost the money already. Why couldn't they just come and fight with me, right? Why did you, you know, I I sent them away and then I went and fought the battle that you asked me to fight and then I come back and and these people have come and attacked me. It it would have seemed unfair. Amaziah had every reason to sit back and just doubt God or be upset at God or be angry at God. But he wasn't. Or maybe he was. We don't know. But you see, friends, sometimes when it comes to following God, it's not just a smooth road. It's not just all blessings and no trouble whatsoever. We got to remember that in our own lives that when it comes to following God, sometimes, just sometimes, the trials get worse and not better. 
But you see, friends, ours is not to reason why. We don't have to understand the why. Let us just be faithful in spite of whatever consequences may arise. That's our part to play. Just remember that God always has the best in mind for every single one of us, no matter what we go through. And sometimes we cannot understand, how can this be good for me? How can this be the best that God has for me? But have faith, my dear friends. Have faith and trust and hope in God, for surely He knows what is best. Personally, it was not the best for Jesus to hang on that cross. Personally, the adoration of angels up in heaven was much more preferable to be hanging on this shameful cross on earth where people would spit on him, where people would hit him, where he'd be whipped, where he would have a crown of thorn placed on, on his head, on his crown, on his, the top of his skull, where blood, those thorns would pierce his skin and, and blood would run down his face. Friends, that was not preferable, but it was the best. And God, in His infinite wisdom, He knows what is best, not just for you, but sometimes for your neighbor, sometimes for the stranger down the street, sometimes for your enemy. He knows what is best. It wasn't the best for Joseph to be in prison, but yet God knew what was best, not just for himself, not just so, oh, just just endure this and I'll make you um, the, the prime minister of Egypt. No but he knew what was best for his family that was going to starve over there in the land of Canaan where they were living at that time. He knew what was best for the whole land of Egypt just to save a few. Otherwise, they would have starved and for, for want of food. You see, friends, sometimes the best situation we think is for our own good is not the best. And we got to leave it to God in His infinite wisdom to know what it is. But you know, from here, even though Amaziah gains such an amazing victory, it is from here we begin to see that Amaziah, he makes bad decisions. Remember, he did that which was good in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Let's keep reading, shall we? Second Chronicles 25, verses 14 to 16. Now it came to pass after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down himself from before them, uh, before them and burned incense unto them. Wherefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah and he sent unto him a prophet which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? And it came to pass as he talked with him that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear, why shouldest thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. Amaziah, he goes and bring back, brings back the God of the Edomite, the gods of the Edomites, all these idols, he brings them back and he begins to bow down and worship them. And because of that, God sends a prophet. God sends a prophet with a message, why should you do this? Why would you worship the gods of those whom you just have conquered? These gods could not even deliver you from my hand. Obviously, I'm the greater God. Why would you do this, Amaziah? But Amaziah, instead of humbling himself and listening to the prophet, he would say, be careful before I hurt you. 
You better be silent before I punish you. You know, he received a rebuke from this prophet, but now somehow his pride does not allow himself to humble himself and get rid of these gods and come back to God. But yet we see in the previous situation, when he's made the wrong decision to hire these Israelites, the Israelite army, 100,000 men, God comes to him and says, do not do this. Even if you lose the money, don't worry, I will be with you, but do not do this. You made a bad decision, Amaziah. Do not do this. Go, uh, turn around and go retrace your steps and just send these Israelites home even though they might get angry at you. He was willing to listen to that prophet then. But now he's gotten this victory over the Edomites. And I don't know why he would bring those idols back. It makes no good sense whatsoever, right? Even as we reason it out, it's got nothing to do with faith. These gods could not deliver you from me. Why would you worship them? So it made no good sense why he would do that. And we have no idea why. Maybe he's angry at God because... um, the, the Israelites came and attacked. We, we don't know. We have no idea. Maybe he, he saw the gold and the tinkling of those jewels after all these soldiers died. And, you know, he decided, you know, he set his heart upon their, their money and their, their gold and everything. We have no idea. But except that in his pride, he begins to speak up against God. Maybe it was the successes of the battle that got him to this point. We don't know the exact reason. All we know is that later on, he would turn his back on God. And not only that, Amaziah goes down the wrong path even more. Pride would get the better of him. It would. Look at this, 2 Chronicles 25 verse 17. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us see one another in the face. So he sends a a, a letter to Joash and he says, come, I want to see you face to face. And you know, friends, this was not a friendly meeting. It was not just, come, let's have a cup of tea together. No, he was wanting to fight against the king of Israel. Why? Maybe he wanted to avenge what had happened with him while he was off to battle. He he came and attacked him. So he wanted to come back and, and avenge or revenge of what had happened to him. And look what happens. Verse 18 and 19. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son to wife, and there pass by a wild beast that was in Lebanon, and trod down the thistle. Thou sayest, Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart lifteth thee up to boast. Abide now at home. Why shouldest thou meddle to thine hurt, that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah, with thee? How does King Joash reply, the king of Israel? What does he say to him? He's like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to come out against me? Just because God gave you the victory over the Edomites, don't be prideful thinking that you can have easily have victory over me. And you know, Whether or not Joash was faithful to God, it didn't matter. Look, it must have been obvious to the eye eye that Israel had the stronger and far bigger and more powerful army superior to that to which it was in Judah. So the king of Israel is asking him, I'm the cedar, you're the thistle, you're just a little weed. Are you sure 
you want to come out and fight against me? Are you sure? How would Amaziah respond? Second Chronicles 25, 20. But Amaziah would not hear, for it came of God that he might deliver him into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. Now look, when we read that it came of God, it's not that that God controlled the heart of King Amaziah and made him to do this as if he was some sort of robot and had no freedom of choice and didn't know what he was doing, like he was in a trance or something. No. But you see, friends, when we forsake God and worship after other gods as Amaziah did, what's happening? We forsake wisdom. We forsake good judgment. We make foolish decisions. And because of the pride that was in Amaziah's heart, he went out and made an encounter, a battle with King Joash. Now, remember, look, this King Joash is not that Joash that we studied two weeks ago. This was a wicked king. But let's keep reading. Verse 21 to 24. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another in the face, both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh, which belongeth to Judah. And Judah was put to worse before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. And Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz at Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and brake down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, four hundred cubits. He took all the gold and the silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God with Obededom and the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. And so Amaziah, he goes out and fights against Joash, the king of Israel, and he loses miserably. I think we underestimate how the fear of God and the wisdom that comes from following God and being faithful to Him, we we underestimate how many blessings come as a result of that how much God fights for us, how much He protects us, or how much He blesses us. We really forget, or or, or we just, we don't see, we don't see the invisible. The Edomites, they must have been some big or huge army or some intimidating army, but yet God would use Amaziah and whatever army he had with the 300,000 men that he had there in Judah, he, he would go into battle and he would obtain the victory. And when he let go of God, he didn't realize and he, he forgot that it was God that was the one that gave him the victory and not he alone that had obtained it. And you know, friends, many times when we are faithful, God blesses us. But when we become unfaithful and we try to take all the credit to ourselves, forgetting that God was the one that was our help and our strength and our source of wisdom and the source of all blessing, we let go of all of that we fail miserably. And Amaziah, he forgot. Why? Because he had turned his back on God. He began to worship the gods of the Edomites. And as a result, he lost the wisdom that God had given to him. And what happens to Amaziah finally? We read in verse 27 and 28, Now after the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. And he fled to Lachish, but they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. And they brought him upon horses 
and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. Amaziah dies. He's killed. Killed by his own people, just as his father was. And then we read in chapter 26 and verse 1 of 2 Chronicles, Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. Uzziah would take the throne at a tender age of 16, still a teenager. And you know, friends, let's do some math real quick. If Uzziah, uh, pardon me, if Uzzah was only 16 years old when his father died, and Amaziah was 54 when he died, that means Amaziah was 38 when he had Uzzah, his firstborn. Remember that Amaziah came to the throne at the age of 25 years old. And so, if Amaziah had been king, so Amaziah it means that had been king for 13 years before he had his first son. Now that's not normal for a king to wait that long. And we don't know exactly, as I said earlier on, but you know, he must have been desperate to have a son and he couldn't have a son for 13 years as a ruler. You know, you want your son to take the throne, right? So it's always of, of great importance that the king has many children or has a son at least to take over. And so maybe he went to seek after the gods of Seir, the gods of the Edomites. And maybe that's the reason why he turned his back on God for a little while. Just some food for thought. We don't know, right? But nonetheless, we know that he did not follow God with all his heart. And you know, friends, following God with all our heart is very, very important. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, we're told, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. You know, this is not the New Testament. This is the Old Testament. Jesus was quoting from there. Deuteronomy 10, 12 also says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him and to serve him, and serve the Lord thy God, pardon me, with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. You know, friends, God, He wants our whole heart. He wants our whole devotion. He wants us to consecrate ourselves to Him fully. He wants us to love Him with all our soul and with all our might. To love God with 99% of our heart, it leaves room for the devil 1%. And sooner or later, that 1% grows. It's like a disease. It begins to affect everything and how we look at things. It affects our relationship with Christ. Giving God the majority of our heart, friends, is not enough. It's all or nothing. To be in between is to be on the devil's side and we're just deceiving ourselves. I mean, look at Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters. Jesus is speaking here. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Notice, friends, it doesn't have a third option. The Bible says that you either love the one or love the other, or you'll hate that one or hate the other. You can't have both. You can't have the world and the money and the riches and God at the same time. You can't. It's not possible. God says it's one or the other. 
It's either 100% here or it's 100% here. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Friends, there is no middle ground whatsoever. You can't love a little bit of the world and love more of God. You either love one or the other. And you know, sometimes we think that the decisions that we make in this life have no bearing on our relationship with God or our faithfulness to Him whatsoever. I mean, look, the color of your car, the color of the clothes that you wear, look, obviously those things don't. Maybe sometimes in special cases they might. But you know, often we underestimate the importance of the everyday decisions, the decisions that we're making on a daily basis. And we think that it has no bearing whatsoever, but it does. Amaziah, he didn't give his whole heart to God. He was willing to listen to the prophet when it came to to releasing the Israelites from service, even though it had cost him 1.7 million US dollars. He was willing to listen. But when God gave him the victory, he forgot the source of his wisdom and blessing. And he took all the credit to himself and he became puffed up and proud. And in doing that, he made some very foolish decisions after. Had he remembered God in the battle, he would not have taken those idols home with him to to make it a snare to himself and to the whole nation of Judah. This, my dear friends, was the sin of Lucifer. He looked at himself in the mirror. He looked at himself too much that he forgot that God was the one who gave him all his good and beautiful looks. He forgot that his sweet, melodious voice was from God. He forgot that God was the one that gave him all that wisdom. And he took credit for it all, forgetting to give glory back to God. Friends, let's not allow our successes to get to our heads. Let's not forget our past and how much the Lord has led us. For we're told in Christian Experience and Teachings, CET, page 204, paragraph 1. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. Amaziah, he forgot. He forgot what God had done for him. So friends, let's learn to remember God in every encounter. Let's not forget His past leadings in our lives, for we're too prone to forget. So God... He gives us the Sabbath to remind us of His goodness every week. Friends, the Sabbath is a pause in our busy lives to remind us to bring back, to come back to God and to bring God into every encounter from the past week and even into the new week. It's not our wisdom that gave us the successes of this past week. It was God. So let's be careful to give God all the glory. And so on this Sabbath day, I just want to remind you, Pause, meditate more upon God and His Word and what He wants to do in your life and what He has been doing in your life as well. Let's not forget that even in the business decisions, in the exams that we take, in all our projects and assignments, in all the decisions that we make even in our personal lives, God is there guiding, leading, and blessing. May He have all the glory today. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for wanting to give us the good things even in this life. But Lord, you know us so well. 
You know that sometimes we, you give us all these good things and, and you know that we're going to forget. And so sometimes you hold it back and you allow things to happen for a reason. And so Lord, help us to trust you through the ups and even the downs. On the mountaintops and even in the valley. Help us learn to give you all the glory. Help us to remember to be faithful. May you guide us, O Lord. Help us to always remember that you are the giver of all good things. Thank you, Father, for loving us, for your mercy, your goodness, and also for your word. Bless us throughout the remainder of this Sabbath. Help us, Lord, to meditate more upon you and your word in this coming week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.